Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, welcome back. I am Chris, the pastor at Compass, and I'm really glad that you joined me in what is the last week of our In Your Feelings message series. And we're going to be talking about something that's pretty important. So let me start by asking you this. When was the last time that you felt desperation? You know, the feeling that you are in an extremely serious situation and you need to get it resolved as quickly as you can. I think we're a little all over the place when it comes to being desperate because I think we have a tendency to exaggerate any situation into a desperate situation. For example, are you a coffee person? Because if so, you have probably said something like, I am desperate for a cup of coffee. I haven't had any yet and I cannot function without it. Coffee is something that a lot of us would say we desperately need in the morning. There's another universal situation that we've all experienced that you might describe as desperate. And it's that feeling when you urgently have to go to the bathroom. You know, I need to go to the bathroom desperately or I am literally going to wet my pants. I mean, we all know that feeling. And as bad as that is, it can get even more desperate when you get to a bathroom only to discover after it's too late that there isn't any toilet paper on the roll. That is serious desperation. I mean, how did people live before there were cell phones and you could text your friends or family to bring you some toilet paper? I guess that's why God made socks, because desperate times call for desperate measures. Okay, that's gross. Moving on from that, today, I want to go a little deeper than feeling desperate for coffee or a bathroom. And today I want to talk about real desperation, the feeling that you are completely out of your depth, that your situation is so bad that it's almost impossible to handle. I had a desperate moment years ago when my family was on vacation. Uh, My son, who was 10 years old at the time, and I, we went out into the ocean to have a swim. And we're just having a good time playing and trying to body surf when I realized that we had drifted way off from our beach house and that we had drifted much further out into the ocean than I'd planned. And so we tried swimming back to shore, but we couldn't. Because no matter what we did, we kept getting pulled further and further out into the ocean. We were caught in a rip current, and nothing I did could get us out of it. Now, I knew in my head that you're supposed to swim sideways with the current to escape it, but somehow it just kept pulling us further and further out. So I had several moments of panic when this happened. The first moment of panic was when Calvin couldn't touch the bottom anymore. It was too deep. And so I picked him up, and I kept fighting and swimming to try and get into shallower water, but we just kept getting pulled out. The next moment of panic was when I could only touch the bottom after a wave had hit us and the water level dropped a little bit. And because anytime a new wave came, we were lifted up and I couldn't touch at all. Now at this point, Calvin had no idea what was happening because I didn't want to scare him and I was trying to keep it quiet, but I was desperate at this point. I thought we were going to drown. And so every time my feet touched the bottom, I picked Calvin up and I threw him closer to shore, thinking that would help. Now, there were some people who saw what was happening, and they started running out to help us, which was great because, I mean, I could hardly breathe. I could barely touch the bottom anymore. It was getting so deep that I had to go underwater to touch sand in order to have enough leverage to throw Calvin closer to the people who I thought could save him. I think I knew that I was going to drown, but I was desperate to get Calvin to safety. And then somehow, before anyone even made it out to us, we were just out of the current. 
Because apparently the whole time we were fighting, we had moved sideways enough to get free of it. But even though we escaped it, I have never felt so desperate in my life. We were drowning. I could see the shore filled with people, but I couldn't get the breath to yell for help. And, and even if I could have, they probably wouldn't have heard me over the waves. My 10-year-old son was in danger, and, and trying to throw him out of the current was the only thing that I could think to do. I was desperate and trying anything that would keep him safe. That's the feeling of desperation that we're going to talk about today. Desperation that is so great, it feels like everything's going to end. It might be a feeling you're familiar with, because maybe someone you love was so sick that there was nothing more the doctors could do, or your financial situation fell apart so much that you weren't sure when you would be able to eat again, or where you were going to sleep that night, or you got so caught in the iron grip of depression and anxiety that you weren't even sure if it was worth it to keep living if you had to bear that weight for another day. Real desperation. And to talk about this feeling, we're going to look at a simple and pretty unassuming story in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 34. <clears throat> it says, After they crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. So Jesus and his disciples, I mean, they had just spent the whole previous day ministering to and caring for people in a pretty remote location before they crossed over the lake to Gennesaret. Now, this location is important to understand because Gennesaret is in Gentile territory. Now, Jews didn't associate with or live with or live in community with non-Jews because they wanted to stay religiously pure. And while, I mean, there were certainly some Jewish people who lived in the area, Genesaret was primarily made up of pantheistic pagan Gentiles who worshipped their own regional gods, as well as probably the Roman pantheon of gods. Which makes what happened next so remarkable. Because a population of primarily non-Jewish Gentiles went out to Jesus they brought him their sick, and they literally begged him to help, begging him to just let their sick loved ones touch the fringe of his robe on the off chance that doing that might help. Why would hundreds of Gentiles who don't worship the Jewish God go to Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, to beg him for help? Because they were desperate. Think of all the prayers and, and sacrifices and rituals they must have performed to their own gods on behalf of those who were sick and dying. And think of how desperate they must have been to go to the representative of a foreign god, a god whose people thought that they were unclean, to beg for help. But desperate times call for desperate measures, and these were people so desperate that they were willing to try anything. And maybe you've been there. Western medicine failed, so you tried acupuncture, meditation, or veganism, or anything else that might help. You filed for bankruptcy because destroying your credit was the only way that you could see to get free. You drank too much or got into unhealthy sexual relationships, or you hurt yourself just to feel the smallest amount of control over an out-of-control life that keeps hurting you. Because if you're going to be in pain, at least you get to decide when and where. When we are desperate, we can do things that don't make sense, even things that hurt us. 
and it can lead us to search for even the slightest glimmer of hope. And the desperation of the people of Genesaret, it led them to the mysterious monotheistic religion of Jesus. And look what happened. Matthew 14, 36, they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. In the desperation of the sick and dying, Jesus helped them. He healed them. And that's great for the people in this story. I mean, it's great that Jesus healed them, but that doesn't happen for everyone today. I mean, the moral of this story can't be that Jesus heals people who are desperate because it doesn't always happen. Because we all know someone who wasn't healed, whose mental and emotional suffering wasn't relieved, who, who didn't get a big check in the mail when they needed it, who, who weren't able to get out of the rip current. The moral of this story can't be that Jesus will heal us if we just beg the right way. And you know how I know? Because not everyone gets healed. Also, because every person that Jesus healed that day, they still eventually died at some point. They all eventually got sick again or died in a tragic accident. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and guess what? Lazarus still died at some point. If you struggle to understand why some people get better while others stay sick, why some people get rescued while others die, I don't have a good answer for you because there really isn't one presented in Scripture. But what is presented in Scripture is that Jesus is the fullest representation of God we will ever have. That what you see in his actions, his words, and in his feelings, that those things perfectly represent what God is like. And Jesus stayed with the desperate people. He cared for them, had compassion on them. Yes, he did heal them in this account, but because we know they still eventually died, his healing power isn't the real story. The real truth to be found here is this that God is present in our desperation. You're not alone in your desperation. God is right there in the middle of it with you. And you may not know why it's happening or, or why it isn't getting better, but you can know that God is with you. And you can even know that he understands your desperation. Look at Matthew 26, 38 through 39. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. This was the night of Jesus' death, and we can see that Jesus knew desperation. He understands what you're going through, and he is with you in your desperation. And God isn't the only one who gets it. We have a historical legacy of people who cried out to God when they were desperate, who poured out their hearts, their sorrow, their doubts, and their anger to him. Look at Psalm 69, 1 through 3 in verse 29. The writer says, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm so exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. I am suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O oh God, by your saving power. That's pretty raw and very real. My eyes are swollen from crying. I'm suffering and in pain, waiting for God to help me. How about Psalm 31, 9 through 11? Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm in distress. 
Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I'm scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. See, in the Psalms, we see this long line of followers of God who desperately needed help and who prayed desperate prayers. And in those prayers, God gives us a pattern to follow from the lives of people who felt the same way we do. He gives us a model of coming to God, to a God who loves us, when we feel like everything is lost. Psalm 31 starts with his writer bringing their suffering to God, but look at how it ends in verse 14 through 17. But I'm trusting you, O Lord, saying, you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. When we bring God the thing that is making us desperate and ask for his help, he will always answer with his unfailing love and his faithful presence, whether he relieves us of what's causing our desperation or not. And while I don't know the answer to what you're struggling with or why God is or isn't healing you or setting you free from it, I can give you this, a pattern of desperate prayers found in the Psalms that we can practice to know that God hears us and that he's with us. Look at Psalm 142. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O oh Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry. I'm very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. And the godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. In light of all of this, I invite you to follow the example of Jesus in two ways. First, if you are desperate, cry out to the Lord. Pour out your complaints and troubles to him. Tell him how you're suffering. Because when you do, you can know that he loves you and that he's with you. That he is a place of ref refuge in your desperation. And the second way to follow the example of Jesus is to step into the desperation of others. You may not be able to heal them or fix their problems, but you can be present. You can be a source of support and love. Jesus saw a crowd of people overwhelmed by their needs and he stepped in. May we be people who do the same. Because sometimes just being there is enough. Our ability to fix things isn't as relevant as our ability to be present. And if God is present with people who are desperate, we should be too. Truth is, a day will come when desperation is done with, when God resolves our suffering and he wipes the tears from every eye. But until that day, may we both experience the comforting grace of God, and may we be people who share the comforting grace of God with others in their desperation. Thanks for joining me. 
and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 